you have a Bible there with you, I want to encourage you to turn with me tonight to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 in the Word of God tonight. And I uh, want to just begin reading several verses and cover uh, uh, some ground through this to the end of the book. But we'll begin reading in verse number 1. And the Bible here says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with the fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, and also in all his epistles speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other Scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray together. 
Lord God, we thank Thee for the Word of God and for how it speaks to us of the hope of heaven. Lord, I pray that we might be ever mindful that our Savior Jesus, who rose from the dead and is ascended into heaven, is coming again and will catch His bride out of here, all true believers in Jesus. Lord, help us to be mindful of this and to live in a place of readiness. And Lord, I pray that You would help us to call others to come to Jesus while there is yet time. Lord, bless Thou this study to each of our hearts. For this we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight I want to bring a message to you entitled, Some Things Never Change. Some Things Never Change. Now, I have to say that uh, yesterday, uh, Brother J. Flo was in my office, and, and we were visiting together, and I had to take a phone call, and uh, he stood up and he, and he started looking around, and I have a credenza in my office, and there are a lot of photos on that. Dozens and dozens of pictures, and, and he was walking around just looking at all of the various photos, and, and uh, uh, he leaned over and looked at one and said, Ooh-wee, Pastor, uh, you had a lot of hair in that picture, and, uh, and man, you had a lot of dark hair in this picture, and man, you were a lot thinner in this picture, and uh, uh, you know, I just wanted to say, mind your own business. Sit down, mind your own business. And uh, you know, the fact of the matter is that things have changed with me. And I'm not as uh, young as I used to be. But uh, I'm going to just say this to you. Uh, Some things never change. But uh, I know that the number of hairs on my head, that's changed. And uh, uh, the number of pounds (laughs) that are revealed on the scale, that tends to change on a daily basis with me. And and, and also the color of my hair. And it's not because uh, it came out of a bottle. The Lord did it. And so, uh, anyhow, I, I just, you know, that changes. And one of the things we know is that a change is a constant in our lives. Things are changing all around us. And, and our, lives have, our lives have changed because of this coronavirus. But, you know, as we study the Word of God, one of the things we find is that some things just never change. Say, what do you mean, Pastor? I mean this, that... The children of Israel who uh, really uh, were the, the called out of the Lord. I, I, listen, they were the ones that God had called out for Himself. And they would turn their faces away from the Lord. And then the Lord would allow them to go into captivity. And the captivity would be great and burdensome. And they would repent and cry out to the Lord and the Lord would deliver them. And then you know what? They'd follow that same path. And that's the history of Israel. It seems like if they would have just read their own history, they could have avoided a great deal of pain and suffering. And yet, some things never change, do they? They go through difficulty, and they don't learn from that difficulty. They're destined to go through that again. The reality is that we're in a similar situation. Uh, We have, uh, throughout the history that's relatively short, of our country. We have seen difficult times, and those difficult times uh, turned us back to the Lord. 
and we got comfortable again, and we forgot the Lord that saved us, and, and then the Lord had to bring something again. And uh, Listen, you can still find people driving around town with bumper stickers uh, that have uh, never forget, and then a picture of the Twin Towers. And the reality is, there are a great many people that have been born. There are people that now can vote who don't remember. They weren't here. They don't keep that in mind. They're not sure why 9-11 is so consequential. And one of the problems is we tend to forget things. And so consequently, we follow after the same patterns. And the reality is this, that that's precisely what Peter was pointing out was going to take place. And, and he gave an illustration of those that uh, were, uh, de- they were just skeptical that there would be a flood that would come upon the earth. And yet it happened. And then he says, by the same word. In other words, the same word of God, God says, look, there's going to be another judgment that comes. And yet there are people that just don't seem to believe it. They're still scoffers and, and uh, they don't, I think that it's going to happen. If it was going to happen, it would have happened a long time ago. And folks, I do want to say that there's been a lot of talk and discussion about the fact that this coronavirus is one indication that the return of the Lord is is imminent. It's upon us. And there are many that have mistakenly uh, stated that, uh, man, we're already in the tribulation period. And uh, I, I read an article this week in a Christian periodical by someone that believes that we're uh, partway through that tribulation period. Uh, folks, I just want to say something to you, and that is that, look, that tribulation period uh, doesn't begin until the Antichrist makes a, a, a peace accord with Israel, and Israel begins to build uh, the temple on the Temple Mount. And uh, that's really what begins that seven-year period of time called the tribulation Uh, But we're looking for a rapture that will precede the tribulation period. And look, it's spoken of here in this passage of Scripture. But what I want to tell you is that all of these events, I believe, are just the whole earth groaning and travail until the redemption of the purchased possession. Uh, These are not the events of the tribulation period, but these are yet and but a precursor of what is going to come. And we know that the Lord Jesus is coming soon. And it would do us all well to be mindful of this. And, and really, Second Peter is an epistle that was uh, written to uh, believers, mainly Jews, but also Gentiles who are referenced in this passage, uh, and, and telling them about what would transpire during the very last days. Perhaps it's very similar in its nature and tone and in its content to 2 Timothy, which also reveals these very same details. And so I think that it is important for us to understand that we cannot be like men of old and not learn from the fact that what God says He will do. And we become skeptical and scoffing just as many others. Now, I want to just, before I get into the meat of this passage, I want, to, I want to say that this world is living in fear. Many of you perhaps are afraid. I don't know what it is per se that you're afraid of. Perhaps it's you're afraid of running out of money because now uh, the, the well, so to speak, has run dry. Um, I have spoken to a couple of people today who are very concerned about 
the, the economy and how that impacts them personally, uh, the price of oil. Whoever imagined uh, that uh, the, the oil companies would be paying people just to take it off of their hands because they had no place to put it. It's, it's unimaginable and that in many places, even in our own country, gasoline is selling for less than a dollar a gallon. And, and the reality is that um, all of these things that are going on are really inciting fear in the hearts of people. What is it that you're afraid of? Is it maybe of getting a virus? Getting sick? Um, that you might be one of the 0.08% that gets so sick that you would um, you would die beside the sickness. Is, is that what we're afraid of that that we might be uh, you know one in a hundred or or fewer uh, that get so sick that you might you might die if you got it at all? And so there are many people that are afraid of that. They're wearing masks and gloves, and I'm not trying to make fun of it. I'm just I'm just trying to to stir your mind a little bit to ask you what is it that you're really afraid of. Well, I, I'm, I'm afraid of getting sick. Well, listen, I understand that. Well, I'm afraid of giving it to someone that I love. I understand stand that. I don't want to give a virus to anybody that I love. Well, I, I'm afraid of running out of money and being destitute. Well, nobody wants to be destitute. I understand that. But, you know, listen. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 28, Fear not him who is able to destroy the body, but fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. You know, the Lord is trying to get people to think about the eternal and not just the temporal. And if all we think about is just the temporal, and if that's all that we uh, have in our, in our purview, then that's a problem. Because folks, I want to say that God is calling us as a people to be mindful of the fact that this doesn't end when we die. We don't die like a dog and go into the ground, that's the end of the story, and it's all she wrote. Because... You and I will live as long as God lives, which is forever, in one of two places, either in heaven or in hell. And so, listen, my friend Jesus said, fear not him who is able to destroy the body. In other words, don't be so deathly afraid of coronavirus that you lose sight of the fact that there are people that could get the virus that would not only lose their body, but their soul in hell. And the truth is that we need to be more afraid of that than we are of getting sick in, in the grand scheme and economy of God. And so I think we need to put everything in its rightful perspective. Now, I've done almost 900 funerals in my ministry the last uh, nearly 40 years come May. And what I want to say is this, that in almost every service that I have done, I have heard people say things like this. Well, they're in a far better place. Well, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're in such a better place now, and uh, they're no longer in suffering and in pain. And I often want to look at them and say, how do you know? How do you know that? Because if someone suffered a cruel death with coronavirus or a cruel death with cancer or a cruel death with Alzheimer's or whatever the disease was that they were afflicted with and if they, they suffered until they, they died and they went to hell, their suffering isn't over, it's just beginning. The pain isn't finished, it's just beginning. 
And sometimes I think people really don't know in their hearts when they say, well, they're in a far better place. They, they just don't have that confidence. They, they say that because it makes them feel better about things. It, it helps them to, to cope with the reality that their loved one is gone. Maybe they didn't visit them quite enough in the hospital or they didn't express their their true feelings towards Him before they pass. Or I, I don't know what it is, but they try to say, well, the way I can mollify my emotional wounds is by saying they're in a far better place and laying a hold of that, even though I really never talk to them about their eternal destiny. I'm surmising because they went to church on Christmas and Easter that they must be in a far better place. Nothing about their life mind you, that indicated that they had a relationship with the Lord or they had the hope of heaven, but, but I'm sending them there in my own happy mind. The reality is this, folks. That there's something beyond the grave that's real. And what we find in this epistle is that, look, some things never change. Things happen. People didn't learn from it. And so the next generations have to go through it. And in every generation, there have been skeptics and scoffers concerning what God has said. And so, with that understanding, I think there are four things that we need to see in these verses which we have read tonight. And the first thing that I want to mention is that Peter is issuing a call to remember. A call to remember. Here we find that the Bible says in verse 1, Beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. He's trying to stir their minds up by way of remembrance, but he said your pure minds. And I study that word pure. It means it's undiluted by the things of the world. Uh, the truth is still fresh and real in the mind and in the heart. And the tragedy is this, that so many folks have filled their thoughts with the things of this world that there's no purity of spiritual thought. This morning I was taking uh, some vitamins and uh, I had a little a bottle of Gatorade there and there was about all oh, that much in the bottom of it. So I took some water and I filled the bottle up uh, and, and so it was just lightly colored water that just had a faint taste of Gatorade. And you know what I did? I diluted that. It wasn't pure water. It was diluted. It wasn't pure Gatorade. It was diluted. And so, uh, really, I didn't have the sense that I was drinking cool, clean, pure water. I didn't have the sense that I was drinking a cold Gatorade. I just had the sense that I was drinking something that had been diluted. And the truth is that so many of our minds have been diluted by the things of this world and the thoughts of the temporal that when it comes to being stirred up and remembering what God has said about the reality of eternity, we don't have space in our thinking and time to conjure it up to dwell on the eternal and to live accordingly. So it's a call to remember 
with an undiluted mind. And sometimes what we just need to do is take in the pure, clean water of the Word of God and meditate upon it and not allow it to be diluted by all of the thoughts that call for our attention. And I believe that the Bible here is telling us that we need to remember what the Scriptures have said. And he said, look, I wrote into you, I wrote into you in two epistles and in both, I was trying to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that you may be mindful of the words which were spoke, spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And so he was saying, look, I want you to remember the Scriptures. I believe that that's precisely what Paul told Timothy to do when he was speaking about what would take place in the last days. And that there would be false preachers and scoffers. And here again in Second Peter we see that principle being reiterated. And so I think what we need to do is what we don't often do is we need to remember. We need to remember. You know, uh, people go on Facebook. It's amazing. They'll, they'll post pictures of their childhood. They'll post pictures of themselves in different situations. And, and then like they'll post pictures of their vacation from five years ago or you know their their siblings from when they were growing up and uh, and I'm sure they have Facebook friends that that knew them at that time and they're interested in all of that but you know we we like to do those types of things to walk down memory lane so we remember all about us and sometimes while we're remembering all about this existential life that we're living and all of the experiences that we've had, we forget that this is not the end. Not for us. Not for the world. And Peter is writing to stir up pure minds. And God is calling us not to have our minds diluted with the things of this world, but to think clearly upon the things that God by His Word and through His Holy Spirit's ministry has revealed unto us so that we're fully aware and mindful of what the Bible says about the day in which we live and about the day which is to come. In fact, if you took time to read Second Peter, you would think that especially chapter 2 and chapter 3 serve as a narrative or commentary on the day in which we now live. And if you just spend a few minutes watching religious programming on TV or the internet or radio, you'll see that the great majority of what's out there is compatible with what the Bible says would take place in the latter days. And that there would be those that depart from the faith and, and preach things for filthy lucre's sake. And then follow up that reading with the reading of the book of uh, Jude, which also reveals uh, these things. And so, uh, what we recognize is that in the midst of all of the things that were taking place, the suffering that these believers were under, uh, Peter, the apostle of suffering himself, is writing to them, saying, look, while things never changed in the history of our country, we didn't learn anything, it seemed like, from all of the various captivities that we experienced because we still turned away from the Lord and wondered why till finally uh, we turned our faces back to the Lord God Jehovah. It seemed like some things never changed. Here we find there were scoffers then, there are scoffers now. Some things never change. We see, secondly, a call to resistance. A call 
to resist. What is the call to resist? Well, verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack. That doesn't mean slow. That means that doesn't mean as a slacker. It means the word slack here means tardy or slow. So the Lord is not slow or tardy concerning what He promised. As some men count slackness or tardiness, but it is long suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Praise the Lord for that. Reveals God's will for your life, and that is that God's will for your life is that you be saved. And so God wants you to bring your will into conformity with His will for your life so that you may be saved. But what is this call? To resist. The call is to resist the whole mindset of skepticism that Jesus could come in your lifetime. To resist an attitude that scoffs at those that perhaps live a fervent life believing in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. You know, I, I talk to people and they just kind of live like the Lord were never going to come. And I believe that this call to resist goes out to those people who are professing believers who at one time were really convinced of the reality of the rapture, really convinced that it could come at any time. I can remember spending countless hours with Brother Hilmer talking about uh, that which was to come. And I, I miss him sorely. And I, I think of him every day. In fact, uh, he and I for years, for I think almost 13 years, went bowling every Tuesday. And uh, since he died until now, I have my bowling ball sitting there by the door. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know why I keep it there. I just It's just a reminder constantly of something that was a, a happy time and, and someone that was such a dear friend to me. But you know, he continuously reminded me of the reality that Jesus was coming. And, 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 and we would look at what the Bible said and we'd study the prophets and we'd remember what they said. And, and I can remember times thinking, man, I, I don't see how the Lord uh, could stay His coming. I believe it could be right here. And we both thought, you know, we wouldn't be surprised a bit if the Lord came at this time or if, if the Lord came at this particular time. And we began to to look, and I know no man knows the day or the hour, but we begin to uh, say we're in a season of time. And the Bible tells us we can know the season, even if we don't know the day or the hour. And so uh, we're just, man, shocked every time we turned another calendar page that we were still here. 
And we lived every year with that reality in our minds. And sometimes after you've turned so many pages and you're still here, you can just get to the place where you live your life like it might never happen. And there's a call to resist that spirit of skepticism that leads to a spirit of indifference. And the spirit of indifference is worse than probably skepticism because skepticism at least is trying to goad somebody and, uh, and call into doubt what they believe, but indifference means, yeah, I don't really care. I'm indifferent. It doesn't even move the needle on, in me. Eh, okay. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Whatever. And there are a lot of people that come to that, and that's really why we find here a call to resist that spirit of skepticism and scoffing and to resist that spirit of indifference. You see, he's reminding them of someone from their Old Testament writings in the Pentateuch, which they were all very familiar with, a man named Noah, who was a prophet of the Lord, who uh, preached for more, more than a hundred years, was a preacher of righteousness. And there were people that didn't believe it, and they were scoffers. And, and they said, ah, you're nuts, you're crazy, it's, it's, not gonna, it's never happened before, it's not going to happen. And they didn't believe it. But what happened? Well, God brought a flood upon the world. And it's irrefutable. I know that scientists and scoffers today, skeptics today, they don't want to believe it. Some things never change. In every dispensation, that's been the case. People that don't want to believe even what science reveals about the veracity of the, the biblical record. But it's true. And yet, knowing that God judged the earth with a flood, and that God is going to one day judge the earth with fire, we have the record. We know that it took place. The Bible said so. God said, I'm going to do it. He did it. And now God, that same God, is saying, I'm going to judge the world. Uh, people are like, eh, well, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. And, and, and literally here what we find is they say, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. And for this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old. And so the indication in the wording here is that they one time believed it and now they don't believe it very much. Or at all. And I believe that we've got to come back to the reality that Jesus is coming soon. People want to talk about the mark of the beast. You want to talk about the mark of the beast? What we're seeing is the stage being set for all of humanity like lemmings to follow the Antichrist to wherever they get the mark. Because it's going to have all of their medical records. And so we don't get a virus on money. We're going to just go to a cashless system and with that uh, that mark, we can transact business and we never have to exchange anything. We don't have to touch anybody. We don't have to, to uh, touch money that we give to someone that would infect them. If children get lost, today there was a, an amber alert that came across the phone of some children that have been abducted and, and uh, the Antichrist is going to convince everybody what we need to do is like we're doing with our dogs already. We need to chip our children. And uh, if we all get chipped, many of you are going to have Alzheimer's. If you get lost, we'll be able to locate you. We'll be able 
refine you. It'll be easy. And people are going to, because of banking and because of health health, uh, records and and because of trying to find lost individuals and and a whole host of other reasons and for convenience sake, are going to go along like lemmings following uh, uh, the, the leader, the Antichrist, like sheep to the slaughter, and the stage is being set for that. Folks, I'm just saying, look, I, I'm all for being uh, uh, careful, and I, and I realize that there are things that are happening that people are challenging, saying this is an infringement upon my, my, my liberties, and, and I get all that. But understand this, if you would have told folks two months ago that the whole world would get lockstep behind staying at home, and perhaps getting laid off their job, and keeping the kids home from school, and not going to church, and not mailing in a paper check because they're afraid of getting a virus, and not, not being able to fly anywhere, and, 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 and that whole industries are shuttered, and, and you can't stay in a hotel. Hotels are closed up. You can't fly in an airplane. Flights are canceled. Listen, if we would have told you, you would have said, I, I don't believe it. But guess what? It happened. And you know what? It's all leading up to a time where there's going to be a governmental leader who's going to tell folks what to do and they're going to go like sheep to the slaughter and get the mark of the beast. Now for you that are believers in Jesus Christ, praise His name. You're not going to be here. You don't have to worry about what am I going to do if I have to make that choice. I'm just simply saying it's a call to resistance. Don't be the skeptic or the scoffer and don't be indifferent. So we see a call to remember. Secondly, a call to resist. And thirdly, we notice a call to readiness. A call to readiness. In verse 10, the Bible tells us the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Now, that's not one single solitary 24-hour period of time. That's speaking of a, of a span of time in end-time events. And it, it is beginning with the, with the rapture and culminating with the eternal age. And there's a summation of the many events that will take place from the time of the rapture to the end. Among those things are the earth melting with the fervent heat. And the Bible tells us in verse 12, "...looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens..." being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with the fervent heat. And so, nevertheless, uh, we look for a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now, now, folks, let me just say something. Yesterday was Earth Day, and uh, the, the president was so proud, he and Melania planted a tree on the south lawn and uh, in honor of, of Earth Day. Now, now folks, I, I realize this. I'm not trying to make light or fun. I, maybe I'm a little bit, but the thing is, Look, if we're so worried about global warming, we're going to spend all of our time worrying about something that God's going to burn anyhow. All the stuff that you're worried about, your house, your things, your possessions, look, you're not going to prevent it from being consumed in fire just like that. God's going to melt that stuff with the fervent heat. So the question is, as we consider this, Verse 11, seeing then that all these things, what things? All your stuff, your house, your car, your boat, your, your things. It's what's going to happen. It's going to be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for, 
and hasting unto the coming day of God. So look, what this is a call to, he's asking them rhetorically, if this is really happening, don't you think we'd ought to live in a state of readiness? Don't you think we better get ready? It's a call to be ready. And it's a challenge for believers to, to live in a state of readiness. It, it, it speaks of our Christian conduct and our values. Our conduct and our values. The word conversation means our conduct or our lifestyle. How ought we to live if we truly believe that Jesus could come at any moment? If you believe that Jesus was coming tomorrow, would you change anything about the way you live the rest of this night? Would you? Do you know anybody that's lost and on their way to hell? If you knew Jesus was coming at 10 o'clock in the morning, do you suppose that you might drive to somebody's house that you love and try to tell them how to be saved? If you knew Jesus was coming at 10 o'clock in the morning, do you suppose that you'd pick up a phone tonight and try to tell somebody that they need to trust Christ as their Savior and not worry about what they thought about you or, or, or anything like that? Listen, it's a call to live ready. The reality is that none of us knows. Now, you could be the scoffer and say, well, it's not happening and it's probably not going to happen. And Some things never change. There have been scoffers that didn't believe God in every dispensation. But that doesn't mean God is slow. The Bible says God is not slack as some men count slackness. That means God isn't slow. Why? A day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Our time means nothing to God. I'm wearing a watch right here. I look at it all the time. And the fact is that sometimes even though as much as I look at it, I'm running a little behind. And the truth of the matter is God doesn't wear a watch. God doesn't have a timepiece in heaven, and he's looking at it saying, oh man, it's way past it. I should have come down there a long time ago. All those people are waiting on me. No, listen, time to us means nothing, or time to God means nothing in terms of what it means to us. We think, oh man, it's been you know, 10 minutes, it's been 15 minutes. I'm the guy that, that I get impatient with microwave popcorn. And yet, I can remember the day when we had the big pot, you know, and put the oil, boiling oil, and put the seeds in, and, and, it, and it was a big event, making a, a, a bunch of popcorn, a batch of popcorn. Now it's like, come on, it's been two minutes already. Isn't it done yet? And, uh, and folks, we kind of get that way with the Lord, and we get impatient with the Lord. But, you know, He reminds us here that the long-suffering of the Lord is our salvation. He waited for us to be saved. Amen? Aren't you glad? And He's been long-suffering toward us. He's put up with us. Aren't you glad of that? And He didn't put us away because He was long-suffering. And so you know what He wants us to do? Live ready and patient, looking for the hasting of the day of the Lord or the return of the Lord. We need to be ready to meet the Savior. I mentioned it in the Bible study. I think it was yesterday. That sometimes there are people that, that when they age, they age very gracefully. They become more like Jesus. And I think there's a keen awareness in their hearts that they're drawing nearer to the moment when they'll see their Savior face to face and they want to go with the grace and glory of God on their countenance and having everything right between them and God and, and them and their fellow man. And so they, they just have a grace that abides them. And then you see other people that profess to be Christians and the older they get, the crabbier and the crankier they get. And I wonder if they really believe that, hey, the Lord could come today, or I could go home today. The truth is, if you really believe you could go home today, then live like you're going to face Jesus today. 
that treat others like this might be the last time I ever see them. This might be the last conversation that I ever have with them. As a practice, I never leave the house without telling everybody in the house, I love you. Hey, I'm going to church. I love you guys. Love you. You know, why? Well, that may be the last time I ever talk to them. Something happened to them. I I want them uh, to to know that Daddy loved them. Look, if that was the last thing I ever had to say to them, I want it to be, I love you. And you know, I'm going to tell you something. We need to live every day like it could be our last on this side to live in a state of readiness. Called a readiness. And then what we discover is this, finally. And I want you to notice here in verse 15, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. Are you like me? Sometimes you read things and you're scratching your head trying to figure it out. A little tough. That doesn't mean we give up on it and never, never read it again because we don't get it. And here's what happens. Which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. That doesn't mean R-E-S-T, W-R-E-S-T. That means they take it out of the Scripture. As they do also the other Scriptures under their own discretion. You know what? They try to make it mean whatever they think it should mean. They try to make it say, they rest it out of its context, they take it out of its context, and they twist the truth to suit their own theology, and they don't try to really get a sense of what the Lord is saying in that place. And so, what he's saying, look, don't do that. Verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, you know all this stuff now, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, Fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Lastly, we we find here from Peter a call to remain. Not only a call to remember and a call to resist and a call to readiness, but finally a call to remain. The call was to remain in the truth. I have to be candid with you folks, one of the fears that I have that's uh, perhaps a well-founded fear of a shepherd is that the, the little yearlings of the flock will fall into harm's way of the wolves during this season of time. What I mean is that sometimes people don't log on to the services, they're not watching the Bible studies, and they're not spending time in the Word but they still have that hunger deep in their heart for something uh, that's of eternal consequence. And so they go to the internet. And you know, they just think, well, if it sounds good, if, you know, if this guy looks good, he's got a big following and he's written some books, it's got to be true. And so they start listening and they start buying into it. And I'm just going to tell you, I've seen a world of professing Christians posting things 
pictures, quotations, and sayings, and articles uh, onto social media from people that are of questionable doctrine. And, and, and they might have said a, a good quote once. And it makes me wonder, okay, you got that quote. What else are you reading of theirs that you're happening to, happening to like that you haven't posted yet? And the fact that they might have said one good thing doesn't mean that they that they have a great body of doctrine. Because even as my granddad and my dad used to tell me, even a blind hog can root an acorn every now and again. And the reality is this, that we've got to be careful that we not fall according to that persuasion and be led away, even as Peter said, with the error of the wicked and fall from our own steadfastness. We fail to hold fast to the things that are true. And so there's a call for us to remain in the truth and a call for us to remain in fellowship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, growing in grace and growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and forever. Amen. My friends, some things never change. People were scoffers before the flood. Since the flood... They're scoffers and doubters. The people of God over and over again went into captivity for the same reasons. They failed to recount and remember and avoid the subsequent suffering that they were enduring in captivity. Some things never change. One thing that's constant, we tend to forget the important things of God. And if we're not careful... We'll allow the things of the world to dilute a pure mind so that we can't really retain the truth. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you, as a pastor, it's something I deal with, and I know that I need to probably be more mindful all the time of this fact. But what people tell me is that people don't have an attention span anymore for the things of the Lord. That's why really you watch a a YouTube video, and, and it's hard for you to find a message that's longer than about 25 minutes. I, I know that. Why? Because people's minds aren't pure anymore. They don't know how to stay focused because they're so full of other things. They're easily diverted. The truth is that we've got to come to a place sometime where we can focus intently upon the things of the Lord and never grow weary of it. Some things never change. But one thing I know is that a true believer in Jesus Christ will be in a constant state of change. And that is being changed from glory into glory, formed more every day into the image of Jesus Christ. And so let's hear the call to remember. Let's hear the call to resist scoffing and cynicism and skepticism and indifference. Let's, let's hear the call to a readiness. Our Christian conduct and our values that are eternal and ready to meet the Savior at any moment. And let's hear the call to remain steadfast in the truth and remain steadfast in our fellowship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to whom be glory both now and forever. Amen. Lord God, I pray tonight that we would hear the call and live in a state of readiness. Lord, help us to pick up the phone, to send an email, to tell someone about Jesus, to make something right, to be ready to meet the Lord. These things we pray 
In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen.